Hello and welcome to episode three of Print is Dead. My name is Harry Krinsky. Um, today, uh, my guest is Meg Pope. Meg is a comedian, a podcast producer, a playwright, um, and they have been in the podcast comedy world as long as, or almost as long as the scene has sort of existed. And they've seen it change and and um, grow and you know become what it is now. So the, they've got a really interesting perspective on all of this, um, and are doing a bunch of interesting stuff themselves in the in the comedy podcasting and podcasting in general, including um, teaching classes on on how to podcast and how to do all of that. So they've got a ton of uh, insight about how the world works, the podcasting world, and I guess the world at large too um and we talked about a whole bunch of stuff so enjoy the pod very handy i can tell i bet you like to read a lot too print is dead that's very fascinating to me i read a lot myself some people think i'm too intellectual but i think it's a fabulous way to spend your spare time i also play racquetball do you have any hobbies well, I don't really know, right? Because I think that the 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 financial structures that that backed media that made it all possible were completely unprepared for the internet, right? Where they were just like totally had no idea what was coming and it there was a really long delay. And like if you look at music, right, with with the weird way that we transitioned from like MP3s to you could just burn CDs and and then iTunes 99 cents and then all of a sudden everything Spotify you know there that was like that took a long time and I think and it was very like painful transition and a lot of people lost a lot of money and had a bunch of shit stolen from them and a lot of people made a lot of money and stole a bunch of shit you know so yeah the uh I I guess to answer your question directly new media to me seems like everything like the first time I my first time where i was like this is new media was like blogs was mm-hmm. you know when i was maybe in 14 15 16 and there was there was um blogs about various things like i followed fashion blogs and and gossip blogs like perez hilton i, I didn't follow perez hilton but you know stuff like that totally yeah um what about you what's what do, do you have a um opinion on that oh yeah i think you're right i just wasn't sure what uh you're like if we're talking about new media from, you know, the beginning of new media time or like, you know, right now, which is obviously like more podcasts, TikTok, you know, I I don't know, things like that. Clubhouse. Um, right. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it's like what post, uh, like once the internet was created, um, anything that sort of was born through that and also has a very like strange... Um, or not strange, but it has a very like DIY element that then people yeah. try to monetize, I guess, which can be, I mean, both empowering and um, just disorganized. Um, but yeah, I were don't know. you were you an early? Um, uh, did you have any kind of? Were you an early internet um, like scavenger? Like, were you on weird blogs or Tumblr? Yeah, or I was shit Tumblr. Like that? I was hardcore Tumblr. I was hardcore like fandom stuff so like you know i think yeah, what was that so new media is like the super cuts of like like glee would air right for example mm-hmm. <laughs> or embarrassingly glee would air and then like p- 
people I followed on Tumblr would like cut together these montages of the characters. Like that's where shipping, you know, came from. Like they want, I don't know. I feel like they. Wait, no, explain more of this. What is, uh, I'm familiar with like I'm shipping, you know. Right, right, right. I feel like Tumblr, perhaps it, I don't know the origin exactly, but like end game or shipping or any of those phrases I feel like came from like the fandom Tumblr world of like, they would take two characters like Blaine and Kurt on Glee and then like make a little montage and make entire like blogs dedicated to just that relationship and it would be like a ship blog uh that was completely dedicated to that and then sometimes they would do it with people that were not actually in a relationship on the show but then they would like write fan fiction about it or like create these montages that made it seem as though in the dream world i guess that they're creating these characters would be in a relationship so i think it's like interesting that new media is both like something that like obviously tumblr is its own piece of new media but then i think within a lot of new media there's a lot of like uh repurposing reposting recirculating like taking media like tv that exists and then chopping it up and making something new um yeah i I always have found that tumblr is kind of the um everybody who is like extremely media literate that's my age you know was on tumblr Mm -hmm. and i was not i I, I, then there was like a whole but that that i do think that that was like the people who managed to get on tumblr or like pop off on tumblr like totally are super literate and how to go viral on instagram how to go Hmm. viral on you know tiktok all this stuff it's just that that's like a um i don't know so and to that end do you remember how you got into tumblr um Gosh, I'm, I don't think I, let's see, sorry, this is dead air as I'm thinking, but um, I don't know, maybe just friends at school had a, had a Tumblr. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it was like my freshman year of high school. Uh, a lot Do you of have pe- like Tumblr friends? Like were you, you know, doing oh, stuff like that? Um, I wasn't that deeply into it, but a lot of my friends had Tumblr friends. Were like Tumblr famous enough where they got like doxxed, like their cell phone got out there or something. Oh my um, god! There was like I I was at the weird intersection of there was like a lot of my friends had the cool like indie alt music tumblers which were like pictures of trees and fog and then like they're like beautiful like beautifully curated and then yeah. I also was at like the shit posting like Glee and musical theater and like uh t- just t- TV show fandom Tumblr mm-hmm. um so I had an interesting mix i'd say <laughs> yeah, um, yeah on my timeline but yeah i think that the maybe the literacy or thing you're speaking to media literacy or new media literacy thing comes from like tumblr was like every app in one in a way like it was blog video pictures you had a timeline um but a lot of stuff was written too so it was a mixture of like instagram aesthetic and like twitter you know quirky fun communities of people um yeah, I haven't been on in a in a really long time. It like yeah, it yeah. like I don't know. It's I associate it with like teen teenage years that were you know maybe not the best, but yeah, I think it was an escape for a lot of people. But then in terms of how people utilize it now, where that knowledge is like, yeah, it had it had everything. <laughs> so you right. had to learn. I even learned like HTML to fix my because I wanted my page to look a very specific way. And there were all these communities that were like, if you change, if you go into the HTML and change this. Like you'll have infinite scrolling or like something like right, that. So. Right, right. Mm. Oh, I always thought it was so. I did did not have that level of uh, ability. Nor I was like, 
I don't know. I like I even you know I wasn't on MySpace or anything. I was on on the first social media I used was Facebook, which is why I'm such a narc loser. <laughs> the, the, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, the but the I I thought it was so sick that you could like change your cursor to like mm-hmm. a you know dick or whatever like whatever you <laughs> so chose or like a magic wand or whatever yeah yeah um i was always you know i thought that level of like customization but i, I and i i mean i really do like think there's a um i don't know maybe people like that are on 4chan and stuff like that now but the the it did have a higher barrier like one of the I don't know if it's good or not, but one of the valuable things about Facebook was that it did have a really low barrier to entry. You didn't mm-hmm. need to be good at um, the internet to be on Facebook. Right. Uh, you did kind of need to understand the internet to be good on, to like do shit on Tumblr or WordPress or, you know, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's like whether it has that like uh, new age, like Apple, anyone can use the iPhone, iPad, user friendliness yeah. versus a little bit of a barrier. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there's, you know, whatever. I'm sure there was people of all ages and all backgrounds and, um, maybe the not, they're definitely not so great parts of Tumblr too, but you're right. There's, yeah, you had to, you had to really invest in, in figuring it out for sure. Right. All right. Well, we, we got sidetracked, uh, talking about the new media. One thing I wanted to ask you about was to chart. I know, you know, how, well, how, we know each other is through podcasting, but then also how a certain section of the world knows you as is as um, hot producer Meg (laughs) (laughs) from the, from, from um, of forever dog, you know, seek treatment um, fame. And I, I wanted to hear your, like how you found yourself in the, the forever dog universe and like Mm -hmm. how you found yourself in podcasting. Cause you, you were, uh, really early into podcasting and really early into comedy podcasting specifically, which has since you entered that world, like ex- absolutely exploded. I mean, that you could argue that the most influential podcast in the world in the fucking Joe Rogan experience mm-hmm. is a comedy podcast. So uh, I'm, I, what was that? Uh, what was that journey? Uh, yeah, I was a, I was an intern at comedy central and they were interested. It was 2017 for like, timeline yeah. uh, they were interested in getting into podcasting so every friday i had to present a list of people that were doing interesting comedy podcasts um the way i sort of did it was by just poking around on the internet um or going to live shows and then people would plug their podcasts sometimes uh-huh. or you know um finding comedians i liked and seeing if they were doing their their own thing online um and so i found forever dog through that I found comedy podcasting and sort of familiarized myself with the world at the time they were really only doing I think Los Culturistas uh and then maybe one or two others um they themselves as a company which I later learned started as like a theater company they were doing live shows at like comedy theaters like the pit um and then yeah they were like oh this is a very cheap cool way to like capture the or to try and capture the energy that we're having at these live shows um, and sort of uh, circulate it to a wider audience that's not in New York. Um, and, and so it wasn't kind of self-aware it, it is what I'm hearing. Like it wasn't like, yo, let's make a podcast company. Um, I'm not 
100%. I'm, I feel horrible because Alex and, and Joe and, and Brett, uh, the, the three founders of Ferb Dog, have for sure told me this story a bunch. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, the details, I think it was a mix. I think it was, um, it was not like we are podcast people and we are going to create podcasts. It right, was, right. we are a theater company. We're sort of playing around with podcasting, doing culturistas in like a bedroom in someone's house, you know, first. Right. Um, and then seeing, I think, the traction that that started to get and the community that was forming around it, then they were like, let's do another one. Let's have this person do a podcast. So it was very, um, at least from what I understand, it was very homegrown. Uh, And what's cool is I think the Brooklyn comedy community or comedy community at large, like, already is familiar with that type of thing, right? Like supporting other other people at shows, like, you're going to a basement after work you're building yourself up the sort of like scrappy rallying together is like a familiar language for comedy in general so i think it paired Mm. well with like podcasting podcasting. yeah that's that is interesting and not i have never heard that before but i think you're totally right like they are podcasting is a scrappy medium as much as like you you don't think like that because the first podcast everybody heard was serial which is like the most pristine podcast ever but right you're you're totally right most podcasts are like people in basements right know? it's like indie i mean if you like think of an indie podcast like there are not that many indie films in comparison like it's way right. easier to be totally. like an indie podcaster than an indie filmmaker perhaps i mean uh, someone's gonna come for me because i said that but i i just think yeah yeah so um yeah the community element was there and like the Brooklyn comedy scene and like adjacent scene was already so big that I feel like they could have listeners that were literally just that scene and already have a crap ton of people listening and tuning in and like wanting to hear what their friends had to say, maybe not in a basement, but on a podcast. So it was like another way for comedians. It was another outlet too, because you know, you only get like five minutes in a basement, but you can get like 35 to 45 on a podcast. And when you discover these pods, working at comedy central were you like oh my god i'm i'm on to something like this is gonna be a you know billion dollar business or were you like oh this or what yeah what were you like um so i never i didn't meet the forever dog people until i graduated so i was an intern and then i went back to school um where i studied english and, and uh media studies but not like technical stuff uh, and then I moved to New York and I was just like, okay, I just need a job. Like I just need something. And, uh, so I cold emailed forever dog. They, at the time they had like a, a little form at the bottom of their website. Uh, and I was like, Hey, I really like your podcast. Cause I had continued to listen after comedy central when I, when I discovered them, I was, I don't know if I was like, Oh, this is groundbreaking, but I was like, Oh, it's cool that I found this and I enjoy listening. Um, that's interesting. Oh, and well, I meant, I meant like podcasting as a medium but i'm oh, also oh, yeah cu- but i'm curious about the 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 um that's so uh what's the word um like innocent like it's just like oh i god i really like this podcast this yeah it's like, like a wholesome to listen to. <laughs> yeah. yeah um and now it's like you find one and you're like i wonder how many retweets they get right right there. right right. no i think um i think at the time i like i had never like thought of it as a career path or a thing that i would want to study to care about like the industry of it all i think i um 
I was listening to like Mark Marin and other podcasts before I came to Comedy Central and I was like, oh, this is really fun. And especially because I loved collecting information, it was fun to listen to like interviews with comedians or celebrities and just collect information about their paths. Uh, so I was, I think maybe just uh, there was a built in, I'm already convinced that these are cool, yeah, but not like necessarily an obsession or anything. Uh, and then as I came to Forever Dog, and they trained me on like how to produce and I started producing with them. Um, then I was like, okay, subscribe to the industry newsletters. Like, let's learn more about like how this actually works. Cause clearly it was working. Like I was very lucky that I joined at a time where they were doubling their show slate that year. They needed to bring on two associate producers. Cause at the time it would think it was just three of them. Um, and yeah, I was like, okay, let's ride this wave. Because clearly right. you could feel the momentum, which was cool. And they had talent that were getting slowly, slowly, slowly getting recognized and getting, you know, professional jobs and stuff. So, yeah. And what did that, what, uh, what did that mean? You could feel the wave. Like you could feel, you could, was it that you could literally see download numbers go mm-hmm. up? Was it that you were, people's eyes were get, would get wider when you told them you worked at Forever Dog? Like what was, what was the, um, the yeah. wave? A Wix, a, a, Wix, a mix of both. Um, I think uh, the numbers, yeah, it, you could, well, I was very lucky that I joined Seek Treatment like very, very early on, I think episode four. Um, wow. And we saw the numbers go up on that obviously very quickly. Now they had cross-pollination from Matt and Bowen's podcast that was already doing well. And uh, I think uh, what was very cool is all these people do, nighttime shows together and so it kind of goes both ways like the podcasts get people to go to their shows and the shows get people to listen to their podcasts yeah so i think the mixture of live events and new media is kind of in my opinion what the future is going to look like because they lend themselves to each other so well and if you have a consistent live event with a consistent um additional like podcast uh supplement it means that people are satisfied all week long right or like all (laughs) day long um and yes i think that numbers obviously but then also just the community like you'd go to club coming and you'd see how many people were showing up for Catherine and pat or like live podcast recordings um i know it's like that very woo woo of me to say that you could feel the momentum but like the the cultiness like the cult like people i would go to a party or i had would have friends that would go to a party and they'd hear people speaking like some of the hosts on Forever Dog would speak, right. and like I would like die because I'm like, oh my god, like this is it's this is crazy, but also weird. Like I, I don't know. Yeah, I would, yeah. Um, and uh, I somebody told me this story where yeah, they were just like they went up at the end of their at the end of the night, and they were like, hey, like, do you listen to this podcast? And someone was like, you caught me like all night. I've been speaking like Catherine Pat, you know. So oh, wow, that momentum or like just hearing it pop up. I even went. I I went to my I went to the bar at my undergrad when I went back for like a visit and someone like came up and was like oh I really love uh seek treatment and it was weird because in in my head it didn't exist outside of New York but of course people are listening like even my sister uh was doing acapella auditions at Stanford and someone came in and was like are you related to Megan wow because we have the same last name right Uh, so it was cool to see that happen. Even if it wasn't in numbers, it was like, oh, this is spreading beyond just the Brooklyn comedy scene. 
Yeah, yeah. And you're so right about the, like, there was one summer, which now feels like fucking 20 years ago with the pandemic, but there was one summer where everybody was talking, like, (laughs) seek treatment. It was like, it was, uh, um, I, yeah, I guess that was two years ago, but I just remember everybody was, you know, saying something vibes or, you know. Right. Yeah, it was Um, weird. And it was like, some people didn't even know it was where the, it was like a meme. Like some people didn't even right. know the origin. They were just like, this, this ca- caught on so quickly. This like, uh, yeah. It's so, and then of course it gets into the question of like, who owns it, right? Because like, mm. you can't actually really point to where it started because obviously like everything is more or less appropriated from other people in comedy. Like it's all very fluid. Sure, yeah. Um, and you can't say that like you own, you can be like, this is my joke, but you can't be like, this is my entire lexicon. Like, I don't know. Right, right. It's, it, yeah, it's strange, but. That is weird. And so it, I, I am curious about your, um, so I, I on a, a smaller scale than, than, um, than Forever Dog have become a sort of uh, meme in one of the, the, um, podcasts I produce, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm curious what your uh, experience with the kind of like hot producer Meg, because like, long <laughs> yeah, before, yeah. Uh, you know, when I was a passive listener of, of Seek Treatment, or I don't even know what that, I was a listener of Seek Treatment. Yeah, I, wasn't, yeah. I, I never went to a live show or anything, but, Not I, like but a super, I loved You weren't it. like a super fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. right. But I thought there, it was yeah. like, wait, like, fucking ruled. And um, I knew who hot producer Meg was. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, um, and I am, yeah, what was that? What was your experience with that? Was that like, did that? Um, but yeah, I have a lot of questions around that. Yeah, I mean, just fun. So the the lore of Forever Dog, like it started with Culturistas, I think, where they would say like, hot producer Joe, hot producer Alex. They they created that shorthand or whatever. And then uh, they adopted it, you know, for me because we're in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was fun. I was really shy at the beginning. Um, so I, I like smiled and laughed and like was like okay cool yeah call me like hot and this and that and then I think over time (laughs) I um I also didn't tell them that I did comedy I was like very like I'm gonna do my job and that's Mm. it uh but then of course I loved the attention over time and like started feeling more comfortable to like chime in and they would talk about things that were happening in my life sometimes like that I had just disclosed before the recording started and yeah then I got followers like on Instagram and stuff just for being this yeah, which I'm sure you're also familiar with, like just becoming known. But it's strange because you're like, uh, I'm being known as like a reference and as the person that like puts the pieces together. But like, that's not like um, uh, content or like that's not like um, they're not they're not following me necessarily for my comedy or for like my personality or anything right. like that. It's like just because I'm associated. Uh, so it's a weird clout thing that was very cool. And I really appreciate everyone that has since continued to like dm me and follow me and you know uh i had even like two like random dating updates where like at the end they were like so you know Catherine, right and i was oh, like was that uh, good or bad 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh god damn it this whole entire hour really oh um, my gosh but i think Catherine since has those like it, like i would text her after and she has them like saved on her phone as like a very funny thing um and a cool thing because it means we were popular but yeah for a while i would go to any like 30 something perhaps like presumptuously in new york and be like okay they might know who you are (laughs) yeah they they might listen i don't know yeah (laughs) no no i i i get that um 
And so what, as you tried to, as you tried to, because you have, you have and had your own, or had and have your own comedy career, was that something, like how did that experience shape your comedy? Did you learn a lot from them or Mm. did you, did you, did you have any kind of complex, this is, these are two totally different questions. Do you learn a lot from them? And then also, did you have any complicated feelings about like what to do with that clout or what to do with your um, like relationship to Forever Dog? Because I, I think like you, I would have had the similar impetus to not tell anybody I was doing comedy if I was working at a, at a um, you know, in a comedy space initially. I certainly like, um, yeah. So uh, what do you think about those? Yeah, for sure. I, I think about this continuously because um, so I did comedy in college. I always like to say before, obviously, I was like interning at Comedy Central. But even before all of that, like I was uh, I loved writing and comedy and theater way before I, I got there. And I was so happy that the Forever Dog job was related to that, even though the job I was doing wasn't. Um, right. Yeah, I was quiet for a bit. And then I think we started getting booked on some shows together, which uh, the first time I had to do stand up in front of any Forever Dog people. Uh, I was like shitting my pants because uh, I wait. Can you explain why? I, just I mean, think, I get why. Yeah, I, I really. <laughs> I wish I could pinpoint like what that anxiety actually was. I think it was like just being seen outside of work <laughs> for the first right. time, because um, the environment in Forever Dog was enough. Like it was, it was lax enough that I would talk about my life in a way that didn't. It wasn't like I was professional, like one hundred one. They didn't know anything about me. Like yeah. I would talk about my life, and we we had similar people that we would you know talk about that we all knew. Um, but I don't know. They're like an elder. They're both like kind of an authority figure because I am working for them or under them or with them. And then they're also like an elder in the comedy scene. So I want to mm. be like good. And I don't want it to be like tragic that I'm trying this because the way it, I think I thought they saw me was like, oh, Megan started doing comedy because they work with all these people they're and have adjust- been inspired to give it a yeah. try. But it's like, no, I was doing that before I got there. But yeah, um, I think I learned a shit ton. I think what's cool about being a producer or an engineer is you're a fly on the wall uh, for hours and hours of people talking and interacting and you get to see them both on mic and off mic interact with people and decompress and debrief and um, I learned a lot about how I wanted to enter this world and what I wanted to the comedy space uh, the creative space and what I wanted to hold on to what I wanted to maybe avoid um and just how it worked. I like, yeah, it was like a masterclass in how to navigate it and stay like a relatively decent human being, which I liked. But I would get booked on shows and I would feel pressure. Like I would never know if they booked me because of Forever Dog or if they booked me because they saw me at another mic and they or show and thought I was actually good. So I felt a huge pressure to do well. Like I would really, really prepare and be like, you have to prove that you're more than this association. Mm-hmm. Um, that you have value outside of this association, yeah. And as you've done more comedy, has that, has that, um, like, feeling that it it was because of your, you know, it might have been because of your association with which, with Forever Dog, has that dissipated? Hmm. Yeah, I think I worry still that. Sure, as a sort of uh, as an anxious person, I as can, a, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think I've done it enough projects and enough independent work. I'm I'm lucky that I always had playwriting as a separate world and entity that was unrelated to this, and um, 
But I had to just remind myself, like, everybody gets somewhere because they know someone or there's they, they do something where they meet someone. It's like, I was just very lucky that I cold emailed a place that a lot of people... Yeah, I don't know. I, I think um, I... Yeah, I was like, you need to do your own thing and people hopefully will see you for doing your own thing. And if you, I'm lucky that if I need to ask a favor or I want to ask a favor of someone um, who is older or above me in the comedy scene that I can text them, but I don't like, you know, text and email everyone that like came through Forever Dog asking yeah, for yeah. a job or a favor. I, I'm very um, nervous about doing that and I'm very cautious and I feel like I'm going to play my cards or flip that switch absolutely at the last moment when I might need it as opposed to like yeah yeah abusing it I don't know if that makes sense no I, I mean I have had similar thoughts about like we could both see that it's sort of everything else is not a meritocracy but then for some reason when we're talking about ourselves we're like it should be a complete meritocracy and right like, right <laughs> um you know have 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 be like I don't know like that there's like a certain um I guess another way of putting it is I'm always like really hesitant to pull any kind of favors. And then after I do, I was like, of course I should have done that. Like, right. Yeah, totally. I think there's also something to be said about like we glorify or the like self-made person, like bootstraps, like do it all yourself and be amazing. Like we just, I think as a, I don't know, at least as a community really love that narrative and that is very cool. And so I feel like I was like, oh shoot, like I can't, I don't have that narrative. People think I just got, I get things and I became, and I got into certain situations because of uh, other people or the people I worked for or whatever, um, which is true a lot of the time. Uh, and, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I have like such a complex about that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I, I, I got into grad school by myself and I do all this writing, but I think with comedy, I like, yeah, I'm constantly thinking about it. Thinking about it. Yeah. And if I'm like friends, it's like, what is a friendship or a, a relationship, a network? When it, the lines get so blurry, even I would watch as people would come in, it's like, yeah, these are your friends, but they're also like your professional, uh, both competition and colleagues. And so it's like, who's going to rise together <laughs> and who's going to, like, I don't know, get left behind or like things like that. Yeah. No, and I, I think that that is, I noticed that in media more broadly, how such a reason people consume the media they consume is to kind of feel part of some kind of in crowd of some kind right yeah, and, for that, sure. and 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 then and so then that can get really weird when you're in the business of making media where you're like well how do i create that mm -hmm. and there's nothing more kind of lame than a self-aware creation of something cool like that's like the least cool shit ever is somebody trying to be cool and yeah. so <laughs> and yet it is it is um the one of the more like uh, essential things in 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 media or in like you know content and 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 that and so i, I i've struggled personally how to kind of navigate that where i'm mm -hmm. like okay well if I want somebody to pay me for the shit that I do, I have to be perceived as cool. And yeah. if, if it, and there's nothing like 
again, more sort of cursed than the pursuit of being cool. And so then what do I do? Just like sit around and wait to be perceived as cool? Oh, yeah. I think that's like the whole like, I mean, I have so many, I've like written extensively about this and I feel like people are tired of hearing me talk about it. But like the whole like, no, clout, I'm, I'm certainly not clout, coolness. Like, I, yeah, there's a weird like social and especially in the comedy scene, this like weird queer currency or like this weird comedy currency underground blah 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 that mm. like i think yeah it obviously helped launch forever dog and uh in turn all the different podcasts because it was like a very cool club that people wanted to either be a part of or um aspire to be a part of by you know adopting their language and whatever i think for producing or for people to want to like yeah it, it feels like a high school popularity contest right it's like oh i hope they see me as cool and thus will want to hang out with me or make something with me and I think it mm, it gets difficult because, like, nothing is one thing. Like, when someone makes a decision to work with someone, it's not solely because the, of the popularity contest. There there's so many factors at play, but from the outside, no one knows why someone made a decision. So, like, right. if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, well, well I think think again this is a sort of another sort of harebrained theory i have is that our generation is is um like you can't we all intuitively understand what you're saying like we all get that that there is a cloud economy we are sort of that we have nobody has any illusions about that mm -hmm. being true mm -hmm. and you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube right like and so what do you do with the fact that we all know that that's true? We all we all know that that is a kind of like important um, kind of pillar of success. It's clearly not the only thing. Like mm -hmm. There's like the principal reason. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I suspect you think similarly is like the principal reason that the, the Forever Dog shows that were successful were successful was because they were fucking funny and insightful and interesting. Right, you know? right. Like, yes. yes. Uh, the the. It, and. I don't know. It, 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 and so I guess my answer is you, you, it's, it's a, um, it's just a weird little dance that you have to play all the time of, yeah, of, yeah. of what is, um, of, you know, like the degree to which you're willing to kind of embrace, um, the like whack attempt to be cool versus <laughs> the, the degree to which you're like willing to kind of let the game come to you or whatever it is. Yeah, I think like the thing that I've sort of settled on is just like, I can only control what I can control. So like, just do things that make me laugh and that feel cool to, or interesting to me. And usually that's the most effective thing. And I, I hate when people give that answer on other podcasts too. Uh -huh. But it's, it's true. It's like the dumb like thirst trap project I did over the summer was something that just made me laugh and then it took off and... I think like the thing yeah, about wait, can you talk about the that that I do remember that it was, it was oh um, <laughs> I well... was as somebody who did not like see the artist statement I was uh, extremely confused initially yes yes <laughs> I it's well I also didn't provide an artist statement at the top oh, I just okay, started so everybody doing was it like that. um I just basically like started parodying the instagays and also comedians that post like instagay thirst traps uh mostly like cis male. And what uh, is the what is the instagay subculture? I I think a lot of uh very like conventionally attractive gay men and they did, they parodied it really well on um the other two on Comedy Central but they uh they they've been able to basically make money off posting hot pictures and having like it's like they're an influencer but um it's a very specific type of 
influencer and they'll basically just be posting like very very hot photos uh but like they're so weird like at this point people are going to such extreme degrees like doing a headstand upside down on a chair reading a book (laughs) and i'm like what how so they i the first one i saw i was just like this is this dumb picture has like thousands and thousands of likes and if i did the same exact thing i would get like two and I know part of that's just because I don't have as many followers as this person, but also it's because I am who I am. It's because I don't look like that. So I started recreating them. Um, and I think what was funny is a lot of the people I parodied, I would tag them and they would react and part of it, you know, and reshare it and say like, do more, or like DM me and be like, you have to do my friend. He posts ridiculous photos. And part of it was like funny because I was drawing attention to how ridiculous they were, but also like I'm recirculating their hot image even further. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but anyway, that was just one of those things where I was like, this is probably still getting some attention because I have Forever Dog followers. <laughs> and because I did like parody a lot of people who were on the Forever Dog network and I didn't knew they would see it. Like I was strategic, but um, it was also just really fun. And I think people caught on. So with that, um, I think that also every every podcast on the network that I worked on had that sort of like, this is really fun for us. Like, we're doing this on a hope and a dream and we hopefully we're funny and that people think this is like cool. Uh, and then it, you know, it helped that by association, they knew a lot of other cool people on the network and that the network gave it, kind of gave it its like cool stamp of approval. Mm-hmm. Um, but they lend, they lend themselves to each other for sure. I don't know. Do you think that, um, I think I, I have this like sickness where I like can't <laughs> I, I, <I'm> immediately <laughs> if I'm looking at something, I sort of am thinking about it in two ways in the like the way it exists and then like sort of the way that it is perceived on mm-hmm. sort of right this like cool, cool XY graph. Do I get the sense that people who are kind of more truly kind of artistically inclined don't have that second thing that I'm talking about. They just do what you're talking about. They just follow the the impulse that you're following and like they, they just do things that they think are cool and they aren't kind of particularly concerned with how it's perceived that is so part of me thinks that that's what happens but then part of me is like there's no fucking way that's true because Mm. so much of like art and culture on the internet is playing with how things are perceived so how could you not have any sense for it and i guess my question is do you well in in your work where do you land on that do you mean in the stuff that I make or the stuff that I produce? Yeah, I don't know. Well, or, I yeah. guess I'm curious about all of it. I'm curious where you okay. fall in, in your yeah. work. You know, if it difference, it varies. If it's like um, uh, you're writing a play, perhaps it's a different line of thinking than writing a co- right. comedy sketch, you know. Yeah. Um. I Yeah, I think the pandemic has like made me, I don't like who I am on social media a lot because I think the pandemic is like I'm on there so much that I'm constantly trying to play the game of it and like see, you know, Twitter or any of these places as like a video game or like match the voice or like fit the meme or whatever. And it's just like that does not feel personally interesting to me. It's like you're putting a little bit of yourself in there, but that's not your own thing. And I, even when you have stuff go viral, it's like I, it, unless you like. Yeah, and like uh, the thirst traps, like they, I've had stuff that has gotten way more attention than, than those, but I like those because they are something that I feel like is so specifically mine, even though I was parodying another person. I don't know. I just, yeah, 
I, I think uh, being able to just do what you think is cool without thinking about, I don't know, the commercial or numbers side of things is a privilege for sure. <laughs> I think right. that like you have to do a dance because if you're all uh, if you're all networking and you're all numbers and you're all trying to like be popular, then you're going to have nothing interesting to you. But if you're all like personal, artistic, interesting and no networking, it's not going to go anywhere or very rarely does it go anywhere. Yeah. So I yeah. think the most effective people have been able to master both. I don't. I just get really frustrated when I get swept up in the uh, former, in the like total numbers game. Like, you know, why isn't this good? Because it's not a meritocracy. <laughs> Right, like you said. So I don't know um, if that answers your question, but in playwriting, no one gives a shit. So I just do whatever I want, and then usually it unsubmitted to places, and then see who res like, see if it resonates with people. But the internet is a lot of back and forth, and producing is a lot of uh, trying to build community that's very visible, and connecting that community with subsections of the internet or brands or people that can actually fund it or grow it if that makes sense yeah do you you are you have like a really diverse amount of forms that you create from mm -hmm. you, you do plays podcasts you have a sub stack you know you do stand-up comedy do you is that on purpose do you enjoy the the all the different forms or is that because mm -hmm. i'm not like that i i need one i need to like i can't i get a short circuit if there are too many forms um and and like do each of those forms give you different things and do you have a favorite mm. um i feel like at the beginning i mean i had the same problem in school like I didn't know what I wanted to study because I was interested in so many different things but then I graduated and I was like I don't have one area of expertise <laughs> I just have yeah. forms I just have forms I don't have like a I have ways of communicating things that I feel like I've gotten better at like I've gotten better at writing but writing is not a personnel I mean you need something to write about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or like uh yeah so um I think when I first started and was in the city after college and I was like oh, I'm just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and this is fun and I'll find whatever is most meaningful to me and at this point I'm like okay Megan like choose a focus pick a focus <laughs> um the podcasting thing I, I'm doing I, I edit and I do classes because uh that is where I can make the most money and actually make money to live right now and so that is why I'm still doing it I don't see I'll continue to listen and be obsessed with the industry. I think it's really interesting, but I don't see myself like, it's not my goal to become a professional podcaster. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I feel like I like just cursed myself by saying that because I'm like, well, if anyone wants to pay me like millions of dollars for sure. Right. Um, but like, yeah, editing and like the scientific little elements of that is not my favorite thing to do, but it's really cool that I know how to and I'm happy to help other people learn. Um, writing plays and tv and stuff is what i would love to do like full time but obviously that's very hard um yeah and then my Substack, <laughs> um i needed something that i could do once a week if i wasn't writing anything once a week at least i had my Substack, and it, i usually do it the night before 
Um, but I enjoy, I think maybe I enjoy that the most because it's the most consistent and it's the most personal and it's like truly an unhinged, like MRI of my brain. Like it's like a CT mm. scan of whatever is happening in my life that week, I guess. It's like a diary. <laughs> and who, who, when you conceptualize like, or maybe you don't even do this with this, it, it, do you have an audience in mind or are you like, I'm writing this for mm. Meg Pope to think it's funny? <laughs> um, I think I do it for myself, although I am like so aware that like my grandma's friends and my grandma read it. And then I'm right. when I'm writing about like sexual shit, I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like yeah. my mom's friend and like my grandma will be like, didn't love this one this week, but loved the mention of like, you know, Passover or something. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I'm like definitely aware of who's reading it. Uh, but, you know, I think you're right. I think uh, I just do it for me. Also, like I don't have that many paid subscribers or anything like i have a critical mass but it's not i don't feel pressure to like deliver uh something to every single person i'm just like well if they want to open it and read and i also got a lot of really good feedback right away which is like sadly like i was like okay i made myself laugh and i got good feedback so i'm just gonna keep dude it's like all you can ask for yeah exactly yeah so but i don't know i mean i would love to figure out how to grow it more uh, and I think I would have to be, again, more specific in what I'm actually offering through the newsletter because it's, like, hard to pin down since I write about something different every week. But Yeah, I don't... The subsect stuff is very confusing to me. Well, it's, I, I guess it's not confusing to me. I get it. But it's I, I, to, I'm very, like... The fact that Substack is having a moment really bothers me personally because mm-hmm. I would never write a newsletter. And yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. like, well, why can't something that I would do get popular? Right, right. Like <laughs> YouTube had its moment. And yeah, I think Substack's interesting. Some people make like six figures off their Substack and other people just, you know, they have like 10 subscribers, but they really love it and send it out every week. Um, the people that make six figures are offering a very specific service. So to me, it gets less creative they creatively uh, they creatively offer a service i guess um yeah i agree i i started the Substack because i was not writing during the pandemic and i needed a deadline every week like a f- something for myself um yeah do you see the the and we were talking before the pod started about mel magazine ending and like mm-hmm. and and how so many of these institutions are like laying people off. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, fucking somebody else just laid a bunch of people off. The Huffington Post maybe just laid yeah. a bunch of people yeah. off. Um, yeah, BuzzFeed I think did too. You know, and the there and then at the same time you have these people who are making money individually. You know, and podcasting is the same way. Where like a lot of these, you know, Netflix is doing less comedy specials. Uh, 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 Comedy Central's not making original content as much anymore. You know, all, mm-hmm. all of these like institutions are are shutting down, but then individuals are making more money than they they ever have on their indie projects. And on the one hand, I think that's very cool because people are making money, cutting out the middleman, and and you know, doing their thing. On the other hand, as somebody who like kind of appreciates the collective creative process and somebody who just like would like a lifestyle that where my job like surrounds me with interesting people Mm -hmm. i'm a little bit frustrated like i would have loved to work at a place like mel magazine or i would love to have worked you know like it sounds like you got a ton out of 
like forget cloud, forget everything, but you just got a ton of like friends and interesting experiences from working at a place like Forever Dog. And as um as everything gets more fractured, I just guess I fear that it's going to be less fun and less like collective. Do you share that fear or do you see kind of like an optimistic future for for kind of the increasing independent media world or do you see it going back in kind of like a cyclical you know spotify premium kind of way (laughs) um i think it'll always be cyclical whether we like it or not i just think that's sort of what like the turnover has looked like in the past and continue to look like but i i uh in a dream world like i think if you swing too hard one way, you're going to get issues. If you swing too hard the other way, you're going to get issues, right? Like the giant corporation thing. Sure, you have people around you, but like you're a cog in the wheel and you're like, it's not, it doesn't feel as like generative or interesting or fun or cool. I mean, that's a sweeping thing. But usually as these fun indie things scale uh, and become companies, especially like networks, uh, you just run into a lot of a lot of problems <laughs> either they scale too fast or there's not like infrastructure that can like actually support people um and i think the indie route where it's like these like you said like one person can make a shit ton off their substack or is like making videos constantly on the internet or like uh that there's the issue of having zero support right you have to con- it was like the hamster wheel like you have to constantly stay relevant like make sure you're seen otherwise your entire all your income and everything goes away or all your clout (laughs) goes away so if they're gonna be like a happy medium between like the big corporation and who's like sitting there making decisions and then the hamster wheel and i don't think the answer is doing what some things are doing which is like slapping a corporation name on the people that are producing editing making constantly churning because it's like now you're just taking a cut of someone who could probably like who's still doing everything by themselves i just think that like just because people can doesn't mean they should have to. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think those like min- like middle ground collective communities like are helpful, um, but they're I, not. I've, I've flirted with the idea. Like I would love to see, you know, and you're, so you feel free to sort of plead the fifth on this uh, or have us edited out. Like the, I'm very like dubious of, of podcast networks. Like I, I'm not t- totally sure they do a lot for for individual people at certain levels and um so i've been kind of thinking about like okay well what could work right because people like going into work every day and having people they go into work with and and having collect creative collaborators like it you know there there's a reason it took the pandemic for us to all work at home like it's because people like being around people you know people Mm -hmm. like especially in creative fields you know all that stuff like and the reason there's a reason like Condé Nast is at One World Trade. It's like because there's the physical space matters and the and the kind of grandeur around that matters. The the I would love to see something like more like a co- cooperative, like a mm-hmm. fucking food co-op or something where yeah. you just have a complete revenue sharing split or like a complete like we are all independent but the reason we're together is because we like like hanging out or because we like there's a certain kind of hard to articulate creative value between like sitting next to somebody who's smart and funny you know Mm -hmm. or whatever um 
Because I think I'm like really worried that that's going to get lost. Like I don't want to work creatively by myself for 30 years. I want to fucking hang out with cool people. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen. I, at least that's what I'm telling myself because I also like I don't like sitting by myself. And even with writing, it's like I can't be in a dark room all day editing and writing. It's not. Eh, I, I lose it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it'd be amazing to have something like that. I think the problem is like there's always going to be. Yeah, it'd have to be very cooperative and very like uh, equal or like um, just as as people start to get like managerial power or like yeah. um, money and it gets like uh, disproportionate, like that's when you run into issues. And I think that's why people like doing stuff on their own because they have complete control over it, but there's no, there's no safety net. So um, yeah, it'd be cool to like be like, okay, this person's going to make this podcast and this person's going to edit it and this person will help get it to the world. And we're all more or less equal just creating little pods and teams of people um, as opposed to being part of this big institution and having to sign on and like sign your life away. But yeah, it's all fucked. I know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The, the, uh, okay. Well, we're nearing an hour, but I want to, I want to have space for you to um, plug any like kind of things that you're consuming that are kind of in the uh, independent space, because I would love for, for, for people to get put on to like interesting independent mm. stuff. I, I, I mean, do that. And then I also want to um, have you plug your stuff in like the, the podcast <laughs> okay. class you're doing. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, uh, yeah, we can talk about the podcast class thing later, but it, it's like my attempt at having people have the tools for themselves to make stuff or at least hire someone and be in little pods of creation instead of having to do everything by themselves or go to a huge network that maybe won't let them in unless they're repped by like WME. Um, uh, yeah. What am I consuming? Um, I listen, I said all the time, I listen to Stradio Lab every week. It's, uh, George Severus and Sam Taggart. They are, you know, they, they are in the forever dog adjacent universe and stuff, but I believe that they're an independent podcast and they're very funny. They make me laugh very hard. Um, George yeah, yeah. was on, on OK Stupid and he was yes. so fucking funny. Oh, they're the best. They're so funny. Yeah. And I think that they, yeah, they have cool guests because they know a lot of cool people. But um, I think they're an independent podcast. I listen to that every week. Um, I listen to Poog every week, which is also on a network. But I'm trying to think of independent things. No, I'm- no, but I would consider Poog. I mean, I know it's not literally independent, but it's something that not a lot of people know about. Though my, you know, my friend Avery... Friedman like literally texted me today being like you need to l- listen to oh Poop. it's the best thing on earth it literally made me cry I was laughing so hard listening to it and their producer Theta I think is an independent producer um and sense. a super cool artist uh damn I'd love to have them on this pod oh yeah I think I think like yeah so I think that yeah Poog Stradio Lab I'm trying to think of my my like rotation your diet yeah yeah those are my two podcasts that I like actively get so excited when I see in my my feed and then oh and also couples therapy with naomi perrigan and i've never heard of that andy they are a couple naomi's a stand-up andy's a writer and they uh have been together for 10 years and they answer listener calls about like relationship Relationship. stuff but they're just their their relationship is just so i I just love them they're so cute it's very wholesome um and uh yeah could be stuff you're reading you know yeah what am i reading true um I, I don't read, so it's you know for me. It's I was gonna say but. I'm reading Bunny, which is a, a about 
an MFA program, kind of. Uh, <laughs> and I'm reading Humor Seriously. I'm holding it up <laughs> that my mom sent me. Uh, it is wow, good uh, on you for reading a book your mom sent you. It is about it's like these Stanford professors that broke down how to be funny, and I'm like, well, it couldn't hurt to read this. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, uh, yeah. What am I watching? I don't know. I'm on the internet too much. I'm like all in the you know corners of Twitter and Instagram, and uh, yeah. But uh, um, that's and that's what I'm what I'm. What about your? In. What about um? Where can people get more? Meg Pope. Oh my gosh. Uh, Instagram, Meg's Pope, M-E-G-S-P-O-P-E, and M Pope tweets. And then you can subscribe to my newsletter, meganpope.substack.com. It's all on the socials. Yeah, and, people um, will find you, yeah. But yeah, and also if you want to learn how to make a podcast or like... Yeah, can we... Do you have time? I want to talk about that. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, or like be a producer in your own right or like a lot of people come wanting to create a portfolio because a lot of these producer jobs want you to have even at entry level have made something um so i'm helping people do that slowly building a little community and google group of everyone who's taken my class and trying to help but yeah what questions do you have about that um well i'm curious what how you knew that because it seems like a lot of people are hitting you up and i'm i'm it's funny and very um uh insightful of you to have like known that there would be that need was that a was that a wild guess or did you have a kind of pretty good theory are you blown away by the amount of people that have have uh hmm. taken I'm, the thing the, yeah the, the, i i i launched it in uh march and it's mm -hmm. now like the end of march and i've had like 40 something people take it which is yeah. very cool um i was up late watching some YouTuber tell me like how I how I made six figures by the age of 25. <laughs> like something that I was like, why am I watching this? But I here I am. Yeah. And um and like all by myself without like a you know going to my day job. And um one thing she said was just like do you have a skill that you can monetize through like teaching or creating like a, a pack a starter pack. And um in the last two to three years I've done so many informational coffees and like yeah, emails yeah. and stuff about like how to get started podcasting i was like oh i mean i can only i'm not an expert i can only teach from my own personal like experience but for sure like instead of maybe i still of course take coffees and phone calls with people for free but if people want to pay me to like formally teach them how to ideate record edit publish produce and circulate their podcast like i I could totally do that. I have my little spiel down. So I basically made a PDF. It's like 33 pages, has everything they need to know. I go through it. I talk to them, answer questions. And then um, they're forever part of this Google group where they can like continue to talk to other people. They plug their own, they can plug their own podcasts in there. I just yeah. started it like two days ago. So there's like nothing in there yet. But <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that. I, I posted it on my social right after I watched that video. And it was like a random like, notes app like hey do you want to learn how to do a podcast like yeah, dm yeah. me um i don't recommend ever saying dm me uh because i was then flooded it was very nice like a lot of people like Catherine and pat and people who i've done indie podcasts for um circulated it uh but i got so many dms and it was so hard to call through all of them mm -hmm. uh, that's awesome i mean it, yeah yeah it was really cool and then i yeah so i just got more organized uh after that and um yeah now we're 
teaching people how to do their own thing. And are you getting people, if you were to like pull the temperature of the pods, are you getting people who want to make comedy podcasts? Are you getting people who want to make journalism podcasts? Mm -hmm. Are you people getting people who want to make, uh, yeah, what type, like what's the, what's the vibe of the creators? A lot of talking, like interview, maybe a comedy or like, um, I'm sitting down with this person to talk about like mysticism or something, you know, yeah. uh, just talky, simple, straightforward ones. We've also had like radio play-esque like narrative mm -hmm. stuff come through. Um, yeah, just really specific subject matter, some some more produced than others, like some more journalistic than others. But I think the the most that are coming through the door are like, I'm making a podcast with my friend about X subject. We yeah. will have a guest on to discuss it every week. Um, yeah, that that's sort of the bulk of it, I think. Or again, people who don't even have a podcast idea, they just want to learn how to produce so they can produce for other people, which is great because I have people that take the class and they, they want to make their own podcast and then they see all the steps and they're like, oh God, I definitely need to hire a producer. And then there's people that are like, I don't have a podcast, but I want to produce. And then I just make them kiss. <laughs> that's the thing. People, people get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do stuff like that yeah yeah so um, yeah hell yeah all right well that's awesome uh, uh for for whoever ends up listening to this podcast definitely go um take this class if you're interested um as somebody who has had one of those um <laughs> free coffee uh uh consultations i i can say that Nick knows what they're talking about. that was the best i loved that day yeah. <laughs> um all right cool all right i think we're done Amazing. Thanks a ton, Meg. This was yeah. great. Yeah.